Joseph, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were exiles because their family of believers chose not to believe. Can you imagine the social media storm they could have created if they were alive in this day and age? Hashtag unfair church. Hashtag my brothers, the failing church. Hashtag is it getting hot in here? Hashtag church fail. The list can go on and on. Instead, they went back in prayer, rediscovered God, and held firmly to that belief and stood as witness against some serious odds. Hashtag faithful witnesses. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. I'd like to take a moment to uh, welcome everyone to this uh, session with Sabbath School University. Um, would each one of you introduce yourself and tell us w if there was any time period you could be a missionary, which one would yeah. it be? My name is Marcellus, <laughs> and I'm thankful to have this question back in the roster. Um, <laughs> No, any time period, I would want to be around when Christ walked the earth, just because like, I want to see Christ so bad, and that would have been mm. pretty awesome to, to get to actually see what I believe in. Right. My name is Liz. Uh, I think I would just be a missionary right here, right now, this time period. Good technology. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah. <laughs> Use those. Yeah. Uh, my name is Elroy, and if I had to be a missionary at any time, I think it also would be Christ time but with the technology of today. So oh, I can go in, yeah, I could go on Instagram, everything, and, you know, be like a photojournalist kind of thing. That would be really cool. Sure. I mean, that actually would, really would be cool. That would be awesome. I think if I could be a missionary in any time period, probably like medieval times, I kind of love that time period, mm -hmm. so I feel like it would be interesting to kind of be a missionary in that time. But let's still take the, let's, let's take the technology thing into every time period just because that's Yeah, I feel like that's, awesome. that's the winning uh, Yeah, we need the internet everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Elroy, would you mind reading for us our key text and uh, praying for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, the key text is taken from Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. And the New International Version says, He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Uh, Father God, Lord, it is a privilege to come and discuss uh, just this amazing concept of what it is to be a missionary. Exile, uh, not so much, but we need to learn it nonetheless, Lord. And so be with us in the middle of this, this discussion and help us to change and be different from when we first came in is our prayer in your name. Amen. Amen. So our lesson today is exiles as missionaries. So that's a great hashtag to kind of like use mm -hmm. if you want to tweet a little bit about what you've learned from our discussion Don't today. Don't mind if I do. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag exiles as missionaries. So we're going to be talking about some missionaries and we're going to be talking about how that experience began with them being exiled. So our first question, how could feeling safe in the practice of our faith actually inflict harm on our spiritual health? I think it's way too easy to become complacent and lukewarm when you feel safe yeah. and when you're not being pushed and challenged mm -hmm. by what's around you. It's natural to want to feel safe. You know, I think it's natural to want to be comfortable. And so, uh, you know, being a missionary and being exiled, sometimes you're placing yourself out of that comfortability and outside of, you know, being safe. So, yeah. 
Um, I don't know exactly what to say, but I do take kind of a little bit of issue with um, or just the like the absolute of safety being a problem. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree that I mean complacency is so easy when you're feeling safe. Mm -hmm. But there's so much about the Bible that's trying to be like, no, 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 no. With God, you're safe. Mm -hmm. When you're under the wings of the Most High, you're safe. So like, even though you don't believe or the, some of the good examples of the exiles we'll talk about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't feel safe, but they were. Mm -hmm. They were absolutely safe. And so I think that safety is a part of God. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, like, feeling uncertain is also a large part of following him. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I think, I think we're expected to feel uncertain when you're going into a place you've never been. And you're expected to kind of have a feeling of unsafety or, of, of yeah. feeling unsafe but God's assurance is that he will uh, gird you you know you will have that protection you'll have safety but we don't generally have that initially always when going in sometimes you do so when when you when you feel like you are in that safe place sometimes this question is indicating that we can inflict harm on our spiritual health right and so what are some of the ways that, that you've experienced that? Uh, I mean, you know, it's strange. I work, you know, uh, for, you know, my Christian denominations. And sometimes, you know, uh, there's a fear there of not often always feeling like a missionary, you know, because I'm in a place where, you know, uh, we all kind of share the same beliefs and we share the, the mm -hmm. same faith and we're all going towards the same goal. And when you do that, you often don't feel like you're growing. You know, uh, when you're working out, you know, I have to say, I still got to do some working out. But, you know, when you're in the gym and you're constantly lifting the same weight all the time, there's never really any growth. Your muscles get accustomed to that particular weight. And it's not until you take on more weight that you allow your muscles to stretch. And then they eventually repair themselves much stronger than they were before. So a lot of times, uh, you know, if we go out and we end up... Um, you know, stretching ourselves and in a sense bearing more weight, if you will, mm -hmm. that allows us to become more spiritually healthy because we're trusting uh, in the unknown and the fact that God will deliver us and eventually make us stronger. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the things um, I think about for, for me is imagine um, when you're around people all the time that you know know the same things that you know, do the same things that you do, and have the same set of expectations that you have you almost sometimes collectively start disregarding those things because there's no challenge for you to live the expected standard mm. that you're supposed to have. So sometimes you become comfortable slipping up because you know, oh, these people don't, they, they, they know I'm not really like this or mm. they know I wouldn't, I wouldn't really do uh, something that could lead to something worse. So you kind of give yourself an excuse for messing up. Mm. I think mm -hmm. that sets you back spiritually. You haven't challenged yourself to live the way you should be living so that you can influence someone else's life. You're kind of just living the way you should be living because that's what everyone else is doing. And so it makes it easier to make that excuse for yourself. So when we talk about how can it inflict harm on our spiritual health, I think we've all talked about one way that we've kind of experienced that happening. What, what would you suggest for someone who doesn't kind of see it that way? Who may say, no, I, you know, I can be a missionary, I can be an example to the people who should know and still be effective. What would you say in, in, to, as a response to that? 
I'd say that's great. There's still a need for that. Sure. I just think it's easy to slip out of that mindset. Okay. Okay. Good. Our next question. This week's lesson is entitled Exiles as Missionaries. We've got the hashtag for that. In what ways are we all exiles? Well, if we want to go way back to Eden, I mean... Take us back. If, 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 Hashtag back to Eden. If we all is referring to humanity, we all have been exiled from that place that God created. Okay. And even further, you can zoom further out to just sinful creatures in general, to right. the angels that fell. Yeah. All of us have been, like, cut off from a direct connection to God, right. but then Christ reconnected it. But, yeah, we were exiled from... Uh, you get it. <laughs> I do, I do, and it's a sin, good... Sin is the answer. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we're, we're Christians yeah. living in a sinful world as sinful individuals, yet we're called to be different. So we're kind of, we've kind of been exiled to this existence, mm -hmm. and so then what? I mean, I don't know. I mean, when I think of the word exile, I'm sometimes, yeah, we could talk about it in the spiritual sense and Eden and what have you, but sometimes I could just think about it just being unpopular. You know, that person in class that might be in the corner in the back that keeps to themselves, uh, that might be smarter than everyone else in the class, but is not necessarily conforming to the styles, to their way of life, to the things they say. And so it could just be that unpopular, different, isolated, uh, isolated you know, not necessarily um, believing, ostracized. ostracized. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's actually yeah. good. I like that we're drawing that, that uh, definition here because when you think the, the standard definition of exile, the lesson it shares that it's people who are removed from their home country. Mm. But I think what we're doing here is we're showing that you, you may not necessarily be removed from your home country, you may be removed from your safe place or where place you, you feel, feel you belong. Where yeah. you belong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or as we talked about in our first question, you know, your, your, your comfortable surrounding. You may be exiled from that. So when we think about ways in which we're exiled, I think these are great examples. And so um, our next question is gonna, is gonna ask us, what was it about Daniel and Joseph that made them great missionaries? Now, if you have something for both, share it. If it's just one or the other, go for it. I'll take Joseph. I mean, okay. you know, <laughs> Joseph was a guy, you know, his brothers just played him or, you know, uh, left him for dead, if you will not expecting that this guy would eventually rise to prominence, but he was a great missionary just because uh, he kept a great demeanor, great disposition in a time where, you know, he was in jail, right. you know. Um, you know, I'm, I've never been in jail, but for me, I could imagine after all those years, I would, you know, I'd feel very angry, I'd feel upset, you know, I'd feel hurt, you know, and uh, so for him being a missionary, I think was keeping a great demeanor, uh, you know, in a time of uh, feeling lonely, you know, and despondent. And also in a situation of, uh, uh, for instance, when Pharaoh had the dream, when he was called, he uh, he acted upon that call and he delivered. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, sometimes uh, being a missionary is when you're called or when somebody needs you at a particular moment, mm -hmm. you you deliver and you uh, you follow through with God's plan. And I like what you're saying about Joseph, because for him to know what the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream meant and to still be willing to share that, you know, some, you don't know what Pharaoh's reaction would have been. You see what I'm saying? And actually, that's the, um, the first thing that came to mind about either of them was about both of them. Right. Because both have that exact same situation. Right, with the dreams. But what, right. I, what I like more is that what I, what I think makes them good missionaries mm -hmm. is that they had some sort of connection with God mm -hmm. that um, was such that God would speak to them th with the dreams. You know what I mean? Like right. God would be like, well, here's the... 
here's the interpretation of that dream. Right. Mm -hmm. That's crazy to me. I've always wanted that. I've always wanted that type of relationship with God, mm. and they both had it. Mm -hmm. But then to go back to what you were saying, they both got like, oh, well, it's kind of a bad <laughs> like interpretation. Do I really want to give this to the person? Right, right. right killing off the people who right. can't tell them what it is. <laughs> right. Because now that you know what it yeah. is. Uh, like, I'm sorry, your kingdom's going to end, and yeah. everything you know is worthless. You're almost like right. a snitch. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I, think, I think at least for Daniel and Joseph, they've had that experience. Was there something else you can pull out from, from Daniel's experience that made him a great missionary? I don't have anything right now. <laughs> I think about... Well, that's pretty much it. He was, yeah. Other than that, he was kind of... Me. Dreams. <laughs> Hashtag no big deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I do think that, I mean, this is about exile. So being out of their usual familiar context presented a lot of challenges, but also perhaps the advantage of they just had to rely on God for everything. Right. And, can we, and, and that, right. that strengthened them a lot. Absolutely. And, and when we say exiled, mm -hmm. like, these people were exiled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like... You know, some other situation in the Bible where we see people were just moved out into a faraway land and then they had to start over and then, like, be a missionary or be an example. But these people, like, their names were changed, their way of clothing, their way of, of interacting. With, I mean, this is, this is exiled in just every possible way. And then you still have to be different. You still have to fulfill a purpose. These two examples are probably two of one of my uh, of some of my favorite characters in the bible specifically because of the strength they endured through those experiences and what they were able to accomplish so daniel uh, having to having to represent not just his faith but his people okay in a land where he was not even the it wasn't even a popular culture it wasn't even a popular people to be from and still able to accomplish as much as he did, still able to achieve as much respect as he did. Mm. This man was living a life worth mentioning. Mm. This was a missionary who was able to accomplish something. So I think that's what makes them great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, um, a, a key difference to them though that, made, that I think is a strength mm -hmm. in both cases, but it's opposite, is that Daniel went with the nation. Okay. Like, so he had friends and people around him who believed mm. similar things. He had mm. a community um, that could help strengthen him, right? Yeah, right? Sure. When, when he Joseph wasn't in the public, he, yeah. Joseph was alone, mm -hmm. yeah. but he, that, made, that made him strong too. Okay. Like, that's, I don't know, it's, it's two completely opposite sides. No, but that's kind of what I wanted to hear he too. Would be like, well, Daniel should have been, he probably should have been weaker because he had this community of faith. No, he was stronger for it. And well, he should have been weaker because he was cut off from everything. No, 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 he was stronger. He got thrown in jail. And he got stronger. Like, mm -hmm. right. mm. that's crazy that God uses different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and so I think these are, these are perfect examples of what made them great missionaries. Our next question, uh, it talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego literally stood out from the crowd of the plain of Dura. How do we today either stand out or blend in to the general community? How do we stand out or how do we blend into the general community? That depends on who your general community is. Oh, then that's a good <laughs> qualifier. Yeah. Explain. Mm -hmm. Well, you were mentioning working for the church and working for the, for the denomination, um, working in a place where you at least assume that people believe a lot of the same things that you believe, and at least in theory, you know, hold, hold those same things, a lot, have a lot of the same actions. Um, there can still be a need to stand out there. Mm -hmm. 
but perhaps not as much as working in secular environments or working in places where people believe completely opposite things from you and don't want to have anything to do with what you believe. Mm -hmm. I think the opposite is also um, shown by their specific example, mm -hmm. Daniel and um, his, his three friends. I didn't want to go through all the names, obviously. Sure. Mm -hmm. But like, because they, yeah, they stood out, but they also blended in pretty well. Yeah, like, that's what that's They also, rose yeah. up through mm -hmm. the Babylonian society. Right. So they were pit, pretty like blended in, right? But they also stood out from that. So, right. and I think I think that's kind of like the challenge here: how do you be in the world but not of the world, right? Mm -hmm. And and so, when I think about how I can achieve that, it, it's it's not an easy answer always, mm -hmm. because that's like like Liz said, it really does depend on who that community or that general public is. And so you, you almost always have to be um, connected and in tune with what your calling is so that you can figure out the best way to blend in yet stand out. And I think you kind of have to pick your battles to some extent. I mean, they moved to Babylon, and so they started eating Babylonian food within reason, within dietary laws. They didn't have to stand out for everything. They didn't. Right. Right. It was fine yeah. to adopt. You know, when in Rome, wear Roman clothes. When in Babylon, wear Babylonian clothes. Take Babylonian they, names. Yeah, right. and they were standing up for the things that were important to stand out with, which was their faith. Right. Absolutely. And that was what I was going to say. I think it's okay to blend in. I think a lot of times, you know, um, even in, in the Christian faith, there's a fear there with blending in yeah, too much, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, to the community. Oh, you're talking like them. You're walking like them. You're wearing what they wear. Mm -hmm. But I think that's okay. You know, it, until it gets to the point where um, it really matters when it comes to uh, spiritual matters, when it comes to faith matters, and matters where you need to stand out, I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not sure that you well, that's not necessarily true. I think that it's very difficult Okay, I'll go to Christ's example because that's what I'm going to really talk about. Because Christ, that's what God did. Right. Is he, he came and became what we were. Blended mm -hmm. in. He mm -hmm. spoke yeah. all the languages, uh -huh. all the customs mm -hmm. that we had and used, mm -hmm. and that's how he stood out. Like, mm -hmm. that's, I don't know. I've always found that so beautiful that he was us. There's something about being ministered to by someone who you can relate with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a blending in that causes you to stand out. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, my, one of my uh, personal desires is to always find when that balance comes, when to pick that battle, when to determine that, okay, I've blended in here, what's my, what's my standout opportunity? So that's something that I think is good for us to keep in the, in the forefront of our minds because the more we exercise that, I think the more second nature it, it becomes. Mm -hmm. Our next question, how do we differentiate between authentic reasons to stand out and nonconformity for its own sake? I think we touched on that a little bit already. Mm -hmm. uh, are we nonconforming just to be different, just to stand out, or are we standing out because that's what because we're doing what God's word said mm -hmm. and that, but so for this question it's the authenticity behind mm -hmm. the reason for doing it so now we know that we can we can blend in and stand out but what's the authentic the authentic reason for doing so if we talked about Daniel you know we could say maybe he just did it so that he could keep rising up Joseph so that they can keep you know rising up in power in a safe place that, you know, they're, they're already impressed by my faith, they're already impressed by my standards, and I'm blending in. The question is, how authentic is that, is that 
experience in trying to determine that? What's one of the ways that we can differentiate between the authenticity of that experience? Does it have to do with the nature of a pure heart or? I would, I would point to the spirit of God um, and that's what I would <laughs> point to. I'd point to discernment, asking for discernment and obviously seeking um, what he's given us to, to find his plans. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would think it's not something that you can really do right. without him. Absolutely. But that is such a like just blase answer to be like, well, let God take care of it. I don't, right. I don't have the answer. <laughs> right, right. Ask right. God. Right. Well, um, I think when you, when you find yourself in a situation because they're determined to stand out in nonconformity. It's this relationship that you're supposed to be having with God to, to find that, to reach that discernment. I think that's when we talk about choosing your battles, mm -hmm. that's the time you question the authenticity behind what it is that you're about to do to stand out, even though you've blended in. I think that's one of the ways that you can kind of determine an authentic reason to stand out or not. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so our next question, our final question. Matthew 24, 14, if, if you can find it, let's read it. Matthew 24, 14 says that the gospel must go to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. What does this suggest regarding Jesus' second coming and the work that he has called us to do? I mean, you know, if you even look at the context here, Jesus is, you know, talking to his disciples saying, there are crazy things that are going to happen. Mm -hmm. You're going to go through trials and tribulations, you know, uh, once I'm gone, there are going to be all kinds of issues, but this message still needs to be spread. And the same thing that happened back then in uh, first century uh, Jerusalem, if you will, still matters today in the 21st century. And so uh, even for like the people that may be listening or watching, mm -hmm. you know, they're pretty much, they might be thinking, man, you know, what exactly can I do? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just saying, you know, we have a work to do and we all have an opportunity to share the truth and be light bearers. You know, we can't give any excuse or any reason why uh, we have to hold back our faith. You know, um, we need to learn how to stand out. Uh, and at the same time, we need to learn how to blend in. But essentially, it's, it's do the work. You know, we have the truth. Share it, you know, in the best way possible. So. Right. And there should be an urgency behind that mission behind that call and I think it's kind of why it's important that when the call comes you answer it's why we're instructed to prepare ourselves for when the call comes not really placing much emphasis on the material things and the relationships that we have surrounding us because when the call comes we have to answer hmm. and we need to answer as soon as possible because this helps to aid in the mission that we've been given to do I think we all have an opportunity to be a missionary. It just determines how you're called, what time you're called, what you're expected to accomplish. And so when we, when we say the second coming of Jesus and the work that he's called us to do and how soon that happens, how do we relate our responsibility to that, to that event? You just said it, I mean, sense of urgency, you know? And not everybody has the ability to travel or to go all over the world, you know, as a student missionary or as a missionary in general. But yeah, hashtag spread the message. You know, you have social media now, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Use whatever means necessary to go and, you know, share the truth. Don't hit people over the head with it, of course, but share a positive message and have the Holy Spirit, you know, do the rest for themselves. At least that's the way I see it. Uh -huh. What do you say to a person who is wondering, um, 
how to accomplish that task in an authentic way, so kind of touching back on a, on a previous question, um, and for those who are wondering if that, what the definition of reaching every person means. So like when you're, when you're trying to fulfill this and when it says that the gospel must go to the ends of the earth to, for the second coming to occur, sometimes I think people get confused and think as long as I've said it, then he'll come. As long as they've heard it, then it's been received. And I think with that understanding, we kind of can build some fanatical basis of well, ministry. I think there's also a misunderstanding of what the gospel is. Right. <laughs> because in that way, you're kind of thinking of it as a proclamation to be made. Right. Whereas it's a, it's a, it's a God. It's right. a life. It's a relationship to be lived. Right. Um, and so then I would point again back to Christ's example to show that, like, he didn't, he didn't go everywhere. He didn't travel everywhere. Right. He could have. He was God. He could have gone all mm -hmm. over the place, but he didn't. He stayed in like and ministered to the people that he grew up with and mm -hmm. around. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and then after he died, he, there were others who were sent out mm -hmm. to go talk to different people. And Peter was sent out to different people than Paul was. It's mm -hmm. a body, different right. body parts. Like, mm -hmm. it's not your job or my job to bring the gospel to the entirety of the world. Mm -hmm. It's the people around you live yeah. live like Christ lived for those around you. Right. That's the way I see it. And I, I like that point. On one of the social networks, there was a, a video clip that had gone around of a gentleman who was uh, ministering to the population, I think at some sort of amusement park. And it seemed that it was quite intense. The intensity of it was to let people know that they were sinners, that there was grace, and that if they did not accept that grace, they were going to hell. And that was this gentleman's interpretation of sending the message throughout the world mm -hmm. to reach each end. And a woman came out of the crowd and she was almost brought to tears because she felt so saddened that this was what he thought was mm. reaching people. Mm. When really, if you looked at the faces in the crowd and you looked at the responses yeah. that were coming out, they were turned off. So he was actually doing the exact opposite. And so my question is, when you bring this, this to the table, how do you authentically accept that responsibility, not thinking that it's your job to reach each end of the earth, but knowing that the gospel is to share God's word, to share the message of God's love, to share the message of God's grace, and to live that in an experience that can catch on. And I think that's what that Jesus shows us in his example to us. There was something he lived out that people were attracted to that caught on. What do you guys think of that as we wrap up? And also condemned, but yeah. <laughs> no, well, yeah. That, well, that's a part of the package. Yeah. So when, when we kind of think about all that, we, 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 have to kind of, um, we have to kind of find a way to make sure our experience is authentic as we go through that exiled experience as a missionary. Thank you all for joining if you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Michael Martell.